Morning, guys. This is different, but I thank you for tuning in. And uh, of course, our camera's up there, but I'm not going to look up the whole time. So that's just not going to work for me. Um, we thank you for joining us. And, uh, you know, it had been my plan to provide a short update on me and my family's condition. Uh, many of you guys know that we um, tested positive, and uh, there's going to be much more about that. Um, at the end in terms of an update and a way forward for LCF. You know, I can share with you personally, I'm off isolation. Uh, you know, um, I have been cleared, I'm free. Um, the rest of my family is still uh, waiting tests and, uh, you know, um, some serving quarantine. But uh, let's start with prayer and we'll go forward um, from there. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, and we thank you for its relevance to all the issues we face in life. Lord, provide a way forward through the complexity and the confusion, the fear, the hysterics, Lord, a way of good common sense, Lord, and a way of love. Lord, give us understanding and wisdom to act with love. Oh, Father, we, we ask that you bless this time. And, uh, you know, I hope everyone that is tuning in or that is going to watch this will open their own Bible, set forth your word before their eyes, and follow along with me so that this is not just a pitch, it's not another opinion, but we together can look at your word and see what it says for ourselves. We can wrestle with what you say to us and how we ought to be living in these perilous times. Pray this in your, in your name. Amen. I've already shared a little bit, like I said, at the end, I will uh, kind of give an update on uh, our condition as a family. Um, but I know if I do that now, I'll get some people that tune in, hear what they want to hear, and peace out before the Word of God is ever shared. Through the last uh, probably two weeks, um, I've been wrestling with some things, and I, and I think it's been right to wrestle with them. And let me just get straight to the point. When I find myself uh, wondering, you know, what's the wise thing to do, uh, often in my life I realize very quickly, well, this is it's good when, when this happens, I realize that I lack wisdom, like I don't have it. And so Scripture tells me what to do. In James... We're told if any of you lacks wisdom, that's going to happen to us. Let him or her ask of God who gives to all liberally, freely, and without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's a huge promise, guys, because I'm a man that lacks wisdom. But I know that if I ask God, he will freely and without condescension, he won't look down on me for asking. He will supply what I need. And I would just like to share with you that I believe uh, that he has led me to a wise place. And uh, he has given me wisdom from his word as we look at the current state of uh, just, uh, I hate to be issue focused, right? We, we tend to avoid uh, just these big issues here because we want to teach God's word in simplicity and truth, but sometimes we are confronted with 
issues in the church, issues that have to be addressed, um, and that we should not deviate from the word to focus on, but look to the word um, to provide us with guidance through complex situations. So I'd just ask you to join us in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, as we work through a very difficult and divisive and contentious issue in the church and in our communities right now. Romans 13.8 says this, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. You know, when the Lord rescued me from my sin and gave me a new life, I was born again. Not something I accomplished for myself or a club I joined, but an offer from him to me, power from him to me to set me free from sin. I was put in a wide place of freedom and liberty, um, but we are reminded by Paul in Romans that we do still owe something to one another. Yes, we've been set free from the debt um, of sin and the consequences of sin, but we still do owe each other something, and that is love. And so there is a way of life where we are to live in love, even in areas of disagreement, even in areas of contention or differences of opinion. And that's what Paul is going to lay out for us as Christians. Now, if you're not a Christian and you're watching this, much of this will not make sense to you. These are spiritual principles. And if you are, and you, you've been a Christian a long time, especially as an American, you understand that we have rights and liberties as citizens, but we also have a responsibility as Christians to the obedience of God's word when it supersedes um, are rights and liberties. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that because Paul lays it out, I believe, so well. Verse 9, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not uh, bear false witness, lie, uh, you shall not covet. Um, and if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Remember that. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, as we look specifically at the pandemic, right? And I don't like to use a lot of these big, scary words, but let's just say it is Let's just say it is, okay? Let's not be contentious and, and argue about words and semantics and the way they're used, okay? Let's just say this. I've been thinking about this issue, the way the church has been responding, or let's just say me personally, the way that I have been responding to the fear of getting sick and being seriously affected by COVID-19. 
That fear is real, it's out there. I'm not saying the situation is necessarily as dire as people make it out to be. That is an issue of debate, and that's not what I'm going to do here. I'm not going to talk about whether masks work, whether masks don't work. Um, I'm not going to talk about how bad it actually is or how not bad it actually is. What I want to focus on is that people are, in fact, afraid, Christians and otherwise. And there are many ways we can go about dealing with fear. One is, trust me, there's nothing to be afraid of. Just buck up and move on. And I don't believe that that is an effective way in our community to go forward. That's as if, and this, to my shame, I've, I've, I've struggled with this. You know, my five-year-old Adelie is scared of the dark, you know? And there are times that she has nightmares at night, and she wakes up and she's crying. And I go in her room, you know, and I'm, you know, tired, and I want to go back to bed and say, what's wrong? And she says, uh, oh, I, I, you know, I had a scary dream. And if I look at my five-year-old little girl and just say, hey, it's just a dream, go back to bed, there's nothing to be afraid of, uh, you know, stop crying, see you later, and walk back out, I've failed her as a dad. You know, sometimes I need to stoop to her level and say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. That must have been scary for you. You know, but God is with you. And instead of just pushing her fear, like acting like, oh, you know, you're just so afraid and you just need to grow up and be big like me, to meet her in her fear and minister to her there where I have opportunity is wise because she's five, because she really is afraid. And I can remember in a similar situation struggling, I think it was with Judah. I really didn't want Judah to have to have a nightlight but he was scared of the dark as a little kid. Um, now, he can go without one now. We don't want him to be dependent on these things. But I can remember, you know, as a consequence for getting out of bed, taking his nightlight from him and him just freaking out. Because for him, it was real. And I was unwilling to meet him in the reality of his fear. You know, the Bible says a lot about fear. It tells me that there are times that we're going to be overwhelmed and that when we are overwhelmed, the Lord wants to lead us to a rock that's higher than ourselves. There are times where we will be afraid and that fear will have a strong basis in reality and times where we will be afraid and at the end of it, we'll come and say, man, that was just anxiety, worry, um, you know, straight up fear. And it's sometimes hard to tell the difference. Love does no harm to its neighbor. What we are dealing with I believe in our community is a mixture of the fear of the unknown, the perception of things that have not been experienced. And it, yeah, it could be perceived fear, perceived calamity, but it's nonetheless real to the people that are involved. And that is becoming more and more apparent to me. What's the way forward? I can remember when Hannah was struggling with seizures and uh, I met a man, he was uh, hitchhiking, I gave him a ride, he was off the Appalachian Trail, he told me his name was Ember, and I said, you know, what's your real name? Because that's not your real name. And uh, he told me, I can't remember it, 
Uh, but I remember, remember, and uh, you know, we were just chit-chatting, and he was talking about his life, and I was sharing about mine and some of the difficult things that uh, you know I've experienced that were very, you know, Hannah was going through a very intense time. We couldn't control her seizures; didn't know how they were going to end out. Um, you know, ultimately, she had a seizure that would not stop. Uh, and it was a very, very scary event for us as a family. And I remember he looked at me, he's not a believer, and he just said, oh, don't worry, it will all be okay. <laughs> and I just kind of did that. I looked at him and I said, really? Really? How can you say that? It was kind of an ignorant thing to say because... We were right in the middle of a crisis in our family, something that kept me up at night and caused me to have to lean heavily on the Lord even when I didn't know the outcome of the situation. And his words were cheap to me. And I never want to offer that kind of cheap condolence to somebody that is, whether they just got diagnosed with cancer or they're dealing with a prodigal child, those kinds of cheap things, we need to avoid saying them. Even if we feel like, oh, you know, you're just scared of the dark. You just had a bad dream. You know, like, get over it. That's not the best way forward. And I feel that, I believe that, we are going to lose opportunity to do real ministry in people we love, especially the unbeliever, the one that does not share our personal conviction or take on this whole thing, or whether we should wear masks, or whether we should do this, or what. We're going to miss lots of opportunity to meet people on their level just because we feel like they should think the same way that we do. There's a disparity between the way that we think and they think, and a stubbornness on my part has existed where I'm not willing to meet them in love. And we'll keep going. In verse 11, and do this... Do these things. Love does no harm to its neighbor. It's love your neighbor as yourself. Do that knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. This is a time to get things right. Because if, uh, I won't even say if, the perception of the whole world is that we are in a calamitous time, you know, that this is a crisis, it's a pandemic. It's an unbelievable series of natural events that is, you know, crippling the world and bringing us all to our knees. Okay, then, we have opportunity. Because people are truly afraid. And what are they afraid of? They're afraid of dying alone. They're afraid of people they love dying alone. So let's take advantage of that opportunity and share with them the peace and truth we have and not allow little things to separate us or prevent us from having any opportunity at all. Some of you may be thinking, you know where this is going, and just hang with me. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. You know, there's, uh, there's an end coming to all of this, and there's a way to walk as believers in these last days. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness 
and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust. And those things are easy. We're not going to go, we're not partying anymore. We're not getting drunk anymore. We're not, you know, doing debaucherous, you know, things anymore. We're not walking around in lust. But this third uh, couplet of words, not in strife and envy. When I think of strife, I think of the creation of needless friction where there doesn't need to be contention. You know, God's word tells me that there is a way to strive over words, mere words, disputable things that ruins the people that hear me. I don't want to do that. We're told to walk properly because the day is far gone, you know, the night is far spent, the day of the Lord's return is at hand. It's high time to do something to respond to the world and our community around us that is afraid, whether we think it be needlessly or we, uh, you know, agree with their perspective. It really does not matter. It's high time for us to be responsive to the needs of other people, especially their need for peace, knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord himself personally. And that way, that way of liberty and love is is laid out for us as we go a little further. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, we're told, Paul tells us, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And we think of lusts as these, ooh, these heinous acts that we used to do before Christ. But, you know, I would encourage you to understand that that can also mean just having things your way as a Christian. Getting things the way that you want them, having your preferences all the time, you know, uh, you know, being able to exercise every right that you have when you want to, um, man, we're not supposed to live that way. We're not supposed to live that way. So as we go forward, I just want you to kind of just listen closely. And some of you are going to really wrestle with what I have to say. And uh, I, 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 I hear you. I've been wrestling through this stuff myself. 14 verse 1, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Let's just read that again. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Paul is going to lay out that people, even within the church, let alone the greater community, those that are believers and unbelievers, are going to see things differently at times, and that those things that they see differently are not always moral issues. I think much of what the church is struggling with right now um, in terms of our response to uh, this pandemic has to do with disputable things, things that people see different ways, gray areas. And it tells me, Paul says, 
Here, it's the word on the page, guys, that we are to receive one who is weak in the faith, one that has a different opinion or way forward, a conviction to do something different than us, not because they're holding us hostage with their ideology. Let me give you an example. If somebody came to me and said, hey, I believe that Sundays are days where we cannot work. That is just a principle that I see clearly in the Bible. We are to rest. Um, and, uh, you know, therefore, I uh, want you to start teaching, Sam, from the front that anyone who works or is scheduled to work on a Sunday is doing something sinful. I would say, no way, you're not going to take me hostage with your personal conviction. I don't disagree with that for you, and you should live that out before the Lord. But I am not going to take your view and push that on everyone else. Okay? I would not do that over a doubtful thing. I'm not going to be held hostage in that way. Hang on, because you might think you know where I'm going with all of this. And I suspect that perhaps you don't. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. So in their day, coming from a variety of backgrounds, Paul is writing to those coming out of a Roman culture, those Jews around them, many different types of people. And they had many different types of views on what they could eat and what they could not eat. And that may sound strange. Some in their culture had grown up where meat was sacrificed to idols and it, 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 it had the connotation to them. There were sexualized practices at their feasts. They just, they felt so very uncomfortable to be eating meat. And so they, they just could not in good conscience continue that after coming to Christ. And there were believers that looked on those people and said, boy, that is so weird. You know, why can't they eat meat? There's nothing wrong with meat, you know? And Paul says this, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. You might think it's weird and dumb that somebody thinks a mask will protect them from the coronavirus. You might despise them, thinking that if they really were not afraid, if they really had faith, they would not be wearing a mask and believing that it would protect them from a sickness that we cannot see. And that is where we're going to focus our time and attention. I hate talking about specific issues, but this needs to be addressed. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Notice that Paul does not say either is doing something wrong. He's saying they're both doing something right. They are both living by their conviction. To one person wearing a mask is their personal conviction that it is a reasonable thing to do in light of the unknown of what's going on around us. You know, having had, you know, a positive case of coronavirus and, uh, you know, needing to go get a prescription and needing to go at one point to the hospital because, uh, you know, I was, I was struggling to breathe, could not stop coughing. Uh, that was asthma-related for me, not something that's really a common symptom for others. Um, but 
I, I, you know, I didn't look at the people that put on their masks when they came into contact with me, those nurses and workers, and say, oh boy, you're just so afraid. I thought what they did was reasonable, considering I was positive, right? But there are some of us that, that will, will, will despise those who wear a mask as if we know just that they're full of fear and they should just get over it. And some of them will look at us and say, you're just dumb. Just put on a mask. You know, why are you so careless and reckless with your health and other people's? And so they, they look at us that don't wear a mask all the time or that have been not wearing a mask in church, and they feel like they know our hearts. But look, Paul is not saying one is right and the other is not. He's saying these are disputable things. Who are you to judge another servant, especially among believers, guys? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Neither way is right or wrong in the eyes of God. It is the personal conviction, uh, you know, that can be different from individual to individual that we will all be accountable to the Lord for. Okay? This is not a moral choice. Some of you will have the opinion, you'll judge me because you'll think that we are cowering to public opinion or or that the state has stepped in because of my case, which they haven't, and, and started telling us what we have to do. But that's not why I'm presenting this to you. I see the growing division within the church and between the church and the very people that we're trying to reach, and it's starting to break my heart, and I know that it is not, at the core, a moral issue. It's an issue of conviction, and that personal conviction is very important in the lives of believers. One person esteems one day above another, verse 5 says. Another esteems every day alike. You know, Sunday is super important. No, every day is super important. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day, Sunday special, it's a holy day, no working on it, observes it to the Lord. It's between him and the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, every day is alike, you know, Sunday's a, you know, a good time to go to church and whatever else, but to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not, you know, to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. Listen, the principle here, for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. That might sound confusing to you, and it is to me, Let's read it again. For none of us lives to himself or for himself. No one dies to himself or for himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And that might sound like, what is this living, dying, physical death? What's, what's being talked about here? Here's what's happening. You know, when my wife looks at me, we're on a car ride, and she says, hey, we should stop somewhere for dinner. And I say, ooh, I know where I want to go. I want to go to Moe's. I want to go to Moe's Barbecue. Let's, let's, you know, we're driving back from Portland. Let's not stop anywhere else. Let's make it to Moe's and we'll have a great dinner. And sometimes she says, yeah, you, yeah, you, you choose this time. I'm fine with that. You, you, you can have your way. You know, that's great. 
And you know what? I've just lived. I have a will. I have a way. I have a desire. And I got my way, and it's great. And there's nobody, you know, contending with that. And everybody's kind of in agreement. This is great. You know, I get my way. I get Mo's. I'm satisfied. And uh, we have a great time. But sometimes my wife will say, oh, you know, I don't really feel like Mo's. I really like Panera Bread. I hate Panera Bread. I really don't like Panera Bread. And suddenly I'm confronted with a choice. Do I fight for what I want? Or do I yield to the preference of another? That's what we're talking about here. But understand that in yielding, I'm not yielding to my wife because, oh, you're in charge, I'm going to cower to you, I'm afraid to do anything that you might disagree with. No, that yielding is not from being held hostage over a preference or a disputable thing, over a gray area, over something that's not moral. It is a willing extension of love from me to her to just say, yeah, okay, we, we, I'll let you have your way. And yeah, that's a little bit of death there. That's okay. I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm doing it out of love. It's not because I have to. It's because I want to. I'm not being forced to. I'm not being required to. I'm choosing to. And that choice is made for the Lord. I hope that makes sense. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. I'm alive now. I've been been bought with a price, bought from the slavery of sin to, to, to see his will done, to see his desires done. Not just to have my way all the time, not to just exercise my rights all the time. We can see clearly in the Bible that there are times where there are rights to be exercised, civil rights, uh, you know, that Paul used, he used his Roman citizenship at times for his protection and, uh, you know, because it provided him a way forward. And at other times, he surrendered that right and was beaten and otherwise because that was the way that the Lord set before him. The Lord was in charge, not Paul. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living might be in charge of us at all times. But why do you judge your brother, Paul says, over these disputable things, over these gray areas? Why do you judge your brother, you mask wearer? You're just afraid. You have no faith. You know, why don't you trust God like us? This is all silly. This is nothing. No one's going to get it. It's not real. It's all a hoax. Okay, you're judging your brother. You're judging your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ. Or on the other side, why do you show contempt for your brother? Oh, we're all going to die. This is the worst thing we have ever faced. Nothing unlike, you know, like this has ever happened. Uh, you know, uh, I, I look out and I see Christians everywhere being so careless and reckless, not considering the health and well-being of other people because they don't wear a mask everywhere like me and they don't stay home and they go and they gather and all of these things. And there's contempt being shown for brothers and sisters in Christ. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it's written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. 
You know, you may be sitting in your living room or in your truck or wherever you're going to listen to this and think, oh, I know where he's coming from. I know what's going on in his heart and his mind. And I would just want, I just want to remind you that at the end of my life, I am going to stand face to face with God whom I serve and to whom I am accountable for these things. And at this time, you are not going to judge me then. God is going to judge me. And my conscience and conviction, are, my, my, my take on these things is very important to me. You may disagree with it, but I ask that you don't show judgment or contempt for what is going on in my heart. And I hope not to show you judgment or contempt regarding your strong personal convictions. As long as we don't, uh, you know, we, I'm not saying that we should ignore moral issues or that we should, you know, accept things in the church with, which the Bible says are clearly wrong. This is, in my opinion, for most of us, a gray area. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, very important, kind of the point, guys, let us not judge one another anymore, any longer, but rather resolve this, Paul says, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's or our sister's way. And let me just share what that means to me. Um, as both a dad, uh, uh, you know, a person that's uh, part of this community in Lincoln, and a pastor uh, of a church. What that means to me is that I am going to stand before the Lord and give account personally for my decisions and how they affected other people during this time. Here's what I see, Okay. Things have, whether you agree with it or not, this is my conviction, they have gotten a little more serious. For many of us, my family and me are, are the first real people they know that have had COVID-19, and they've begun to realize that Lincoln uh, is, you know, and people around here are just as susceptible as people anywhere else. You may not believe everything you see in the media, and I would commend you, for that. I'm not sure I believe everything that I see, but I can tell you this, it's not all made up everywhere and every situation is just a hoax and fraudulent. I don't know what to believe sometimes, but here's what I see happening in our church. The community around us is very afraid and they are starting to perceive, and this is not true, but it is their perception, they perceive that because we don't wear masks in church, that we don't care about them. And that very real perception to them is starting to cause problems within, uh, you know, our field of ministry. What I mean is that uh, there are people that uh, outside of the church that are starting to tell um, those family members that do come here and worship here, that as long as we are not wearing masks, they need to stay away from them because they perceive that the risk is great. 
I'm not here to talk or argue about disputable things and how, uh, you know, safe or unsafe a mask is. What I do know is that there are people with a strong personal conviction that they should be wearing a mask and we should be wearing a mask that are out of fellowship right now and have been out of fellowship for quite some time because, uh, Look, some of us aren't willing to do this for a few minutes, you know? We do this other places, right? To go to the store, to go to work, to, to do a lot of other things, right? But for our brothers and sisters who do not have the same perspective, uh, you know, as us, we, we will not yield to them because they should just become like us, and they haven't. They've stayed home. In that isolation, we say, oh, we've got together, we've got together, but we're not going to change anything we're doing to enable someone with a strong personal conviction that we should wear a mask. Um, we're not going to do anything to meet them, even in the middle, and we're presenting a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Paul says, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. You know, I, I have names written in my Bible. Obviously, I can't share them, but there are uh, opportunities that I've had in the community uh, to counsel people, unbelievers. And, you know, uh, an unbelieving teen whose mom says, hey, to meet with my son, I'd like you to wear a mask. And you know what I say? For sure. I get to share, I get to share the gospel with your son. I just have to wear a mask. Okay, I'll do it. I don't care. I don't care. Right? Uh, the school, GLCA, has a policy of, you know, wearing masks. Students wear masks at all times. They try to, they try to do their best, you know, and they've, they've done a great job. And to teach at the school, um, they ask that I wear a mask. And I don't wear it when I'm teaching because that's, that prevents learning, just like I'm not wearing it now. Um, but I'm going to do what I need to do. We've seen tremendous fruit in that school. We saw 10 kids get baptized. Um, that are part of the school and the church body here. There's been some amazing things that have happened. And I could have started the year and said, hey, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cower to the government. I'm not gonna do, you know, I'm not gonna, but it's a disputable thing. And ultimately, I love the kids way too much to let this get in the way of doing what God has called me to do, especially now in this time when everybody is afraid and confused and they need the word of God more than anything. You know, my wife kind of asked me, what will happen if we, we just don't do nothing? We just continue the course of action. I said, you know, people will become scared and, you know, our numbers will dwindle and there will be people that just don't show up anymore because, you know, we... we you know, we, we've just judged them and think they're afraid and whatever and, you know... Um, I don't want to lose the opportunity to gather because we're so stubborn about a piece of fabric and our rights as Americans. There's a time where it's appropriate for me because of love, even if I don't agree with someone else's perspective, to surrender that right for the greater opportunity, because once somebody stops coming around me because I don't ever wear a mask, and they believe wholeheartedly that that, that you know, makes me a risky individual to be around, I am not going to have any more opportunity to share the truth, to share my peace, to share my hope, to share the word of God, to show them love. I'm not going to have any of that anymore, and it's because of this. It's because of this. Uh, for me, 
You know, my conscience is clear, my conviction is clear, and, you know, the timing for me is clear. Some might say, well, why weren't we wearing masks the whole time? Well, you know, I don't really think it's appropriate to wear a rain jacket unless it's raining, and it hasn't really been raining, um, but now it's starting to sprinkle, you know? Things have changed a little bit. So, like I said months ago, we're going to try to be responsive to the changes that we see on the ground. And there has been a change in this community. If we'd had church today, I bet we would have had 15 or 20 people show up. Maybe less. Why? Because people know that it's a real thing. And they don't know what to think. They know that at some level it's real and it's a bit scary. So how do we meet people in that fear? Do we just <laughs> make, make them think like us or tell them to just stay away until they do? Paul continues on. He says, I know and I am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Some people are going to have different convictions than you. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food or your lack of mask, let me just throw that in there, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food or with your lack of mask the one for whom Christ died. Notice something very important. The issue is not the issue. The issue is the person and their perception and perspective and their conscious decision, you know, their personal conviction. The issue is not food, whether you can or can't. The issue is not mass, whether you should or shouldn't. It's the person for whom Christ died. And I don't want to see anyone, any person that is, even if it was fear, struggling with fear, and even if it was unnecessary, just like Adelie in her dreams or the nightlight or whatever, I don't want to see anybody out of fellowship that we could be reaching and helping and supporting you know, I don't want to see anybody put away because they won't come and join our perspective and our side. This is the way through divisive issues in the church. Don't destroy one another for whom Christ died over these disputable things. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. And, uh, you know, we may be saying all the right things, loving all the right ways, but we have to recognize at some level, we are being perceived by the outside community, by our town and our state, as if we are doing something wrong. Even if we have a personal conviction that it's not wrong at all. It's, 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 it's ludicrous what people are doing, we may say. But I'd ask you this, when I went to vote in person at the polls, um, I saw a lot of you and a lot of people from our community that had gathered, and every single person there had a mask on. And I believe, uh, despite different views on that, there was just this consensus among most people that, you know, it's a respectful thing to do whether you believe it helps or not. And I saw that at the polls. Why couldn't that happen here, Right? For the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking. Well, this is not about the issues, guys. It's about sharing what we have that's inside righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
We will not have opportunity to share any of those things, our, 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 our righteousness, the, the forgiveness we have in the Lord, and the peace that we have in uncertain times, and the joy we can even have in calamitous times in the Holy Spirit if all that people on the outside can see is that we're a church of uh, you know, right-wing, massless, you know, careless people. That's their perspective. They won't be able to look past that. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. There's a position of favor that we are seeking with those around us to not lose opportunity in their lives. And I know that there are different takes on this. I know uh, it's hard for me even to say some of these things because I can see the other side. You see that some, uh, you know, believe, and I, I don't think this is wrong, that you know, some of the steps that our government has taken, uh, you know, have, have uh, you know, they're, they're, there's a lot of overreach and there's a lot of, uh, they're perpetuating fear and, and the media is, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. But I also know what this is telling me in the word of God. And I'm not going to let uh, anything but the word of God direct my actions because I'm going to be accountable for what I read here before a living judge, you know, that I'm going to face as I step into eternity. Verse 19, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace. Have we forgotten that the scripture tells us that? And the things by which we may, which one may edify another. Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. That is speaking to the person with, uh, you know, that, that strong faith, we could say, you know, and um, I'll have to wear a mask. It's not going to, you know, ah, you know, we, we'll be all right. You know, it's go- what's going to happen is going to happen. Well, you know, y- y- pursue the things which make for peace and the way of action which will edify or build up another is telling somebody, hey, you know, we're not going to wear masks here and uh, we're never going to wear masks here and you can come back when uh, this whole thing's over, is that really how we should treat a brother or sister in Christ? Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Let me just rephrase that. Do not destroy the work of God for getting your own way and having it your way or getting your preference. You know, um, don't destroy what God is doing for the sake of a disputable thing. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats it with offense. That means that there are some people who cannot in good conscience attend a large gathering without wearing a mask, and they have such a strong feeling or conviction about it that they cannot attend here because the rest of us are just so keen on exercising our freedom. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor, and this is how I can know that this applies to any of these disputable areas, do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he, you know, approves. Like if you've got great liberty and you don't, you know, feel the need and that's, that's all great for you, you have great faith, you know. Um, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats. 
because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. You know, some of you, I think I've played the part of like the strong in faith, you know, believer. Ah, you should just get over that. You know, that's no big deal. Uh, You know, why can't you see things from my perspective? We can eat whatever we want. We can, you know, worship whenever we want. We, We can gather however we want. And maybe now I've uh, kind of become the weaker brother where my personal conviction has started to change because the situation has started to change. And think what you want. Just don't judge me and don't show contempt for me. I'm your brother. Paul goes on, he says, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. We then who are strong, maybe you're strong and I'm weak, but you are to bear with the scruples. And a lot of people, what the heck is a scruple? Scruples, a feeling of doubt or hesitation regarding the morality of a course of action. It's that feeling that, oh man, I think maybe I'm doing something wrong here. You know, when I would go into Walmart and I have a right, you know, not to wear a mask. I'm not sick. I'm not going to hurt anybody. I'll stay away. So I'm not going to wear one. And there'd be that kind of twinge of, man, I I just, not because I have to, but just because of love, you know, because of perception, I'm going to. That's a scruple. We ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. There's weak people that we can meet their needs in this time the need to gather, which we're commanded to gather, right? We're commanded to stay out of isolation. We're commanded to be together uh, and and worship the Lord in song and, and with the word of God. We're commanded to do it as families, I believe. But we're getting so focused on this issue, this disputable issue of mask wearing, it's just kind of become ridiculous. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. If that means I've got to surrender my rights, not because I'm being told to, not because I'm being taken hostage, not because of an argument or demand from anybody here in the body. No one has made that demand of me. It is something that I'm willing to extend in love because I don't want to see anybody out of fellowship. Maybe thinking, so what are we going to do? (laughs) you know a few years ago me and Jess were standing in a Hannaford supermarket line it was right before Thanksgiving and butterball turkeys you know were 79 cents a pound and and they had a little thing on it that said you know one per customer please right so Jess grabbed one for herself you know and I was behind her in line and she then she threw one to me and she said we're two separate customers and I said no 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 I got scruples, girl. You know, I feel like that's wrong. They're they're selling, they're giving these things away, and they just want one, you know, per household. Really, she says, no, no, no. This says one per customer. You, you, I'll pay, and then you pay. And I told her no. You know, we got in a little tiff about it. You, she, she called me honest Abe and all this stuff. But ultimately, she she said, okay, that's fine. If you're convicted, right? If you've got a, if you got, if that's an issue for you, we don't have to do it, right? Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. What are we going to do here? 
I would ask that uh, you would pray for me and the uh, Board of Elders and a few other leaders that are going to be gathering tomorrow night and looking at what God's Word says and trying to make a way through confusing times, a way of love, a way of submission and yieldedness, a way where we don't destroy the work of God for the sake of masks, a way where we pursue the things which make for peace, a way where we build each other up, even the weaker ones among us, the ones that don't have that same conviction of liberty and freedom. And, uh, you know, we would resolve not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother or sister's way, that we would not judge one another or show one another contempt for disputable differences, things that are not with regard to morality, but regard personal conviction and preference. I think that's what Paul is getting at. We were not born again to please ourselves, but to please the Lord. And, you know, um, I, I can share this, you know, and I, I, I said some of these things, you know, um, through all of this, the, the best way to protect other people is stay home if you're sick. Um, that's how no one from church or the services here uh, were affected by um, me and my family's illness. And that by far is the best plan for all of us. If you're feeling sick, if you're not feeling 100%, um, you know, stay home. Don't, don't risk it. And you may think, oh, it's nothing. It's a dumb disease. It doesn't really hurt anybody. Well, uh, you know, being out of work for two weeks affects a lot of people. And if one of us comes here sick and we're all around here, you know, and uh, masks or no masks, the CDC doesn't care. If we're here and we're sick, everybody that we've spent more than 15 minutes with and we've been within six feet, you know, too, uh, technically is supposed to quarantine for two weeks. I mean, that's a lot of missed work. That's a lot of missed activities. I don't want to live that way for the next, you know, six months. So if you're sick, stay home. You know, we as a church uh, leadership team are going to try to find a way of love through these very confusing times. And we ask that you would pray for us because we don't have all of the answers right now. But I do believe that Romans 14 provides a basis uh, or a starting point of action for me personally, you know, as uh, we seek to love not just each other, not just those in the church, but show those that are around us that we still, you know, care about them, even if we don't agree with them. And uh, I humbly submit that to you. I know some of you will probably vehemently disagree with some of the things that I said. And I would ask you to spend time alone in Romans 14 and many of the other places in Scripture where it deals with these things. And ask the Lord for, you know, not my understanding, but his way through um, all of these confusing things. God, we pray that you would help us. Lord, we know, we read it in the beginning, that if we ask for wisdom, you'll give it to us. 
But you don't give wisdom, you know, through YouTube. You don't give wisdom through the media or through other people's opinions, perspectives, which there are thousands and thousands of different takes on all of these things. Lord, we find wisdom, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path within your word. And you tell us that we should not be recipients of that wisdom and then doubt what you've said, but that we should build a life and a course of action upon what we've heard in your word. Otherwise, we'll be just taken, tossed to and fro by the opinions and uh, perspectives of everybody around us. Lord, I want the steadfast anchor of your word, even if not everything makes sense to me. At least what I read today was helpful in going forward here. Lord, give us as a church the right kind of heart and the right kind of wisdom, even when we're dealing with, you know, people that um, we perceive to be weaker or uh, not as informed as us or are so, you know, terrified and afraid. Lord, give us humility and meekness to continue forward and not destroy the work of God for disputable differences. Lord, thank you for meeting with us today, and uh, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Um, maybe you didn't really get a, a huge update on my family. We're all doing great. Um, you know, Jess was the first one with it. I followed suit, um, initially tested negative just because I had all the symptoms. Uh, we stayed home uh, last weekend, uh, you know, from social events and from church. Um, you know, um, all of us uh, were really feeling a lot better by the start of the school week. Um, the kids had not had any symptoms, so we allowed our kids to go to school. And on Hannah, on Tuesday, Hannah um, started having a fever at school, and uh, we pulled her out. And just because of her, you know, genetic condition um, and her, uh, you know, susceptibility to respiratory infection, we thought it wise to have her tested. She tested positive. I was tested again. I tested positive, and we began to notify all the people that we needed to notify. And, uh, you know, from the different schools and such. And, uh, you know, I can say, and we, we, we kind of uh, insinuated this on our Facebook post that um, there were really only two close contacts we had uh, since the time me and Jess were sick and symptomatic and uh, even well before that. And, uh, you know, um, we've taken care of those things. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're doing well as a family and... Uh, like I said, I'm off isolation and the rest will soon be and uh, pray for us as a church and as a family and as leaders as we make some decisions over the next few days to enable us to continue to do what God has called us to do, you know. Um, and uh, I would expect, uh, you know, a post or a video or some update um, Monday night or Tuesday uh, regarding, um, you know, this week's uh, uh, gathering on Thursday or midweek and next Sunday. Uh, we won't keep you guys in the dark, but thanks for joining us. God bless you.